It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. When Star Goodhand first saw a long-arm quilting machine at a quilt shop, she knew she had to have one. It didn't take long for her to find Stella. How interesting it was to find out the connection between Star and Stella. I love finding out that Star has also been a listener of A Quilter's Life. Star, thank you for joining us on A Quilter's Life. Oh, thanks so much, Paula. It's a surprise when I received your email inviting me to come on your podcast, so I'm glad to be here. I am so happy that you found A Quilter's Life. Share how you came across it. Well, whenever I'm driving, I'm always listening to podcasts. And since starting quilting, I've just been looking for quilters podcasts. So came across yours and listened to it. Every time I'm in the car, I'm I'm listening to the podcast. So that's where I found you. Well, thank you so much for being a listener. Well, it's so interesting. You always learn something every time you listen, whether it's tips or tricks or Maybe you start following that person you're listening to or, yeah, it's a great podcast. Thank you. Let's jump back to where were you born and raised? I was born in Toronto. We lived there just for about three months. And then my parents moved up to Innisfil, Ontario, which is about an hour's north of Toronto. And we lived right near the water, almost on Lake Simcoe, a block up from the water. So that's where I basically... Grew up my entire life in the same house. It was a great spot to grow up in. I don't know if many families get to live in one spot that long anymore. I know, I know. Really fortunate. So I had the same group of friends my whole life. Yeah, it was just a great, great spot to be right near the water. And yeah, it was great. Wow. And do you have a special childhood memory growing up there? I was talking to my husband about this. I think just being outside all day, every day as a kid. And as soon as we could get in the water, basically after the May 24th weekend, we were swimming and down there every day, all summer, basically we'd be, we'd run down to the water and hang out at the beach all day. And if we weren't swimming, we were playing hide and go seek or playing soccer or just outside all the time. And that was back in the days when you could just run around the neighborhood and I don't remember ever being with my parents saying, you know, be careful out there. Or Now you can't let your kids run the neighborhoods, but we did back then. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's amazing how much it has changed. It's so sad. Yeah. Can you share about the employment you've had over the years? Well, I was a hygienist, first a dental assistant. And then went back to school to be a dental hygienist. And then my husband and I opened franchise in Canada. They're pretty popular. Tim Hortons. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah. So we owned, in the end, we had the businesses for about 17 years. And we had six stores and had the opportunity to sell. And we thought, you know what, let's go for it. So we sold and retired in 2018. And here we are. So now I'm a quilter. (laughs) (laughs) 
running a business is exciting and a lot of responsibility. 17 years, you said? Yes, it was challenging for me as coming from a dental office. We had set hours, 8 to 4.30, you went to work and you went home and there was no stress that you took home with you. But running a business, we ended up having about 150 staff and it was 24-7 business. So, you know, there was always stuff going on. But what it did do, it allowed, I was able to go to all the kids' sporting events or school events because we would always trade off hours in the store. So if I had to go to the school in the mornings, I would go to the store in the afternoon. So it was a great business. As much stress as it was in our life, it also allowed us to spend a lot of time with the kids and do whatever we needed to do and work around it. So there's two of us in the business. So we always paired off whenever the other person had to be the kids. So it was good. We had a computer business for 18 years. And with that, we got to go to conferences. And we took our children with us. So we got to see a lot of different places with the kids. Was there's something like that with Tim Hortons? There were a lot of conferences, but the kids generally didn't come because there were meetings and stuff. So we did get to go for conferences, but unfortunately, the kids didn't come. So <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, that's neat for them, too. Yes. So where do you live now and how did you get there from where you were born and raised? Well, we owned our businesses in Barrie, Ontario, which is like an hour north of Toronto. And we lived there and had a cottage about an hour and 45 north of there. So when we sold, we wanted to sell both properties and have one property. So we looked for about two years and finally decided to move to Huntsville, Ontario, which is three hours north of Toronto. So Huntsville is a small community and my husband's parents owned a family cottage property up here on a small little lake. And my husband's older brother bought the property years ago and rebuilt a cottage there. So before we were married, we would go camping on the property before he rebuilt. And when we had kids, we would come in and use his cottage and that would be our holiday time spending it in Huntsville on the lake. So it kind of was like coming back to somewhere we were familiar with. So we ended up, you know what, let's go look in Huntsville. And we found a beautiful spot. So we're here on a small lake. We're on Bella Lake in Huntsville. So just love it. Oh, cool. Can you see the lake from your home? Yes, we can. It's not a huge lake. It's about 19 kilometers around the whole lake, but it's very quiet. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a really nice spot. So the road that we live on, we're the only full-time people on the road. So there's about eight other cottages on the road, but we're the only people that are here full-time. So it's very quiet. So it's really nice. I keep thinking with Canada, it's so much more north than where I am. So how cold does it get there in the winter? Well, it gets pretty cold. So you can get minus 35. Yeah, it gets really cold where you can go outside and you've got icicles on your eyelashes and your hair gets frosted. And But as long as you're dressed for it, which we are outside 
every day through the winter. Nothing really stops us from going outside. So I'm going to dress properly for it. Like we go hiking. There's a conservation park not far from here that we hike with the dog every day. And it's beautiful. I mean, you're trudging through the snow and the snow's falling and it, it's beautiful. So seasons are all great up here. It's really nice. And Christmas time, we got the biggest snowfall. We had like about four feet of snow overnight. And we were landlocked for about four days because they just couldn't get to us. You know, the plows couldn't get out, but it was the perfect Christmas because everyone arrived before the storm. Our kids came up, my sister-in-law. It was really fun. And we didn't have to go anywhere. So it was a good old fashioned Christmas. So it was fun. Oh, wow. As long as the electricity didn't go out, right? Yeah, we did lose our power for quite a while. We do have a generator. But the funny thing was, I was just about to put the turkey in the oven and the power went out. So I'm like, oh, no. So we started it on the barbecue. (laughs) We cooked the turkey on the barbecue. (laughs) Had to take the barbecue out first, but we did end up cooking it there. It all worked out. How fun. (laughs) Is there anything else about your family you would like to share? Oh, we have two beautiful daughters. They're 29 and almost 27. And they both live in Toronto. So they love coming up here to get away from the city. Yeah, live with my husband and our dog. And yeah, pretty happy life. If you had the opportunity to talk to your great, 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 great grandchildren, what would you want them to know about you? I don't know if I want to specifically say anything about me but I think just about life in general is do your best which kind of a cliche thing to say but always do your best and I think you look back on your life and you think well it probably wasn't my best but I was doing the best at the time so I think if you can think to yourself you know what did my best and always work hard and just help other people who are in need or if you can give them comfort I love to bake for people if there's any issues problems you know they're under some stress or new baby and now I do that with quilts or little handmade gifts all the time so just give back when you can and just help other people I think that's a good thing to do in your life we always can give more I think and give more of even your time sometimes people won't ask for help so if you can just do a little gesture that you know will help them without them having to ask, I think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. So you must be aware. Sometimes I feel like I notice things after, like, oh, I should have done that. I just am so impressed with people that can look out and see where others are, because I don't always pick up. I can't say that I do all the time, but I think if you... You think, you know what, if I was in that situation, you know, what would help at this time without having to ask? And sometimes you just give someone a little love blanket to give them some comfort. They don't need your presence, but maybe just a love blanket would help them get through a tough time or just give them some love when they're on their own. Yes. Thanks for that. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done in the past? Oh, I think I've done every craft going. 
folk art painting, ceramics, knitting, crafts with beads, macrame when I was younger. It was big when I was younger. So I remember racing home from school to get home to work on macrame. I've always sewed. I've always had a sewing machine. I've always made crafty things and pillowcases for the kids for their birthdays and Christmas. And I always seem to be making something. Yeah, I feel like I've pottery. I've done basically anything that was coming out. I thought, oh, I'd like to try that and go give it a whirl. And you'd stick with it for a little while and just move on to the next craft. Yeah, I've always been crafting. I always remember as a kid, always loving to get home and work on my crafts. Were there others around that understood that or were they more like, why are you doing that? My parents bought me a sewing machine in my teens. I was supported and purchased things. And at Christmas was always crafting gifts and rug hooking and cross stitch and (laughs) whatever they can sort of get their hands on for me. So I think my mom and dad really encouraged that growing up. I was always playing sports as well, but at home on my own, I always had something on the go. Wow, they kept you busy. It did, it did. You mentioned sports. So is that part of your other hobbies? Yeah, I'd say my husband and I play pickleball. I don't know if you've heard of pickleball, but it's pretty popular now. So we play three and four times a week. So we hike. Another hobby would be gardening. Love to garden. But yeah, we play, I'd say pickleball's our big sport right now, for sure. I've heard a lot about it and I don't know the rules, but I've seen it and it looks fun. Yeah, it's really fun. There's so many instructions on YouTube that you can go on, learn anything, but basically like cross between ping pong and tennis. So the court is smaller than a tennis court. The scoring is a bit goofy when you're first learning. It's hard to figure it out. But yeah, it's a lot of fun because I can play with any age group all together. And within an hour of playing, you're catching on to the game really well. So yeah, it's good. I'll have to try it some year. Yeah, some year. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think any of your hobbies or other crafts show up in your quilting? I think I was always like a doodler growing up. And I wouldn't say I was big at drawing, but always doodling and some type of artwork and I have a long arm now so that's basically doodling on fabric and I love gardening so flowers I love flowers and sort of viney type doodling on the fabric so I think it does. It's fun that we don't always realize what we're doing in all of a sudden oh it does connect. Yeah you're right. Tell us about who introduced you to quilting. Well, my daughter's boyfriend's mother gifted her with a quilt and she was getting right into quilting. And at the time, we had just moved into our house here in Huntsville and it had a room where I could put my sewing machine because it always kind of was just stuck in a spare room somewhere. And I hadn't started quilting yet. I'm fairly new, actually, February 2021. So when I was setting up this room to be possibly a sewing room, I needed a new sewing machine. So the machine I had was purchased when I was in my teens and it was a Singer machine and it wouldn't go backwards anymore. It would just go forwards. 
So I phoned up Roseanne and said, you just got a new machine and I know you really love it. Which one did you purchase? So I went and purchased the same machine, almost the same machine, same store and thought, I think I want to make a quilt. So I thought, well, I buy some fabric and that was during COVID. So online I go and started ordering some fabric. And stepping back, actually, years ago, when I had my first daughter, we lived near a quilting shop. And I thought, oh, I'd like to go in there and take a course. They had like a day course I could go in and learn to quilt, or so I thought. So I went in for the whole day, and I did not know it was hand stitching. So I came home after like a five-hour course with a five-by-five square it was a rail fence pattern that they were teaching us. So I came home with three pieces of fabric sewn together and you had to pick out all your fabric where you're there. So I purchased everything I needed. And I came home and showed my husband. He said, I thought you were making a quilt today. And I said, well, so did I, but this is what I came home with. So I didn't know anything about a quarter inch seam. So I just on my sewing machine, just cut up the fabric and the rail fence with using the pattern. And sewed together the most wonkiest little baby quilt and loved it. And then that was the end of my quilting career. So fast forward now to when I just purchased this new Janome and I thought, well, I'll make a quilt. So again, I knew the rail fence pattern. So I purchased fabric and I cut it up and I started sewing pieces of fabric together. I bought a jelly roll. So I sewed it together and I messaged Roseanne and said, oh, I'm making a quilt. And she said, are you squaring up the blocks? I said, no, no, they're the rectangles. And her only comment back was good luck with that. <laughs> so again, another hugely wonky quilt. And so after that, I kind of got the bug. And so I started watching all the YouTube videos. So I learned everything on YouTube and found out about the quarter inch seam, how important everything is and keeping everything square and nesting seams and the reason why everything has to be measured the way it is. And that's kind of how it started. And I've never looked back. I swear every day during COVID, there was a delivery being delivered at the door from Amazon or any quilting shops. It was quite fun. And as I was searching YouTube, I'd come across another technique, English paper piecing. Oh, I need to try that. So I order an English paper piecing kit. And then foundation paper piecing. Oh, I need freezer paper. So I order all the supplies for that. So I literally have everything you possibly need for every technique. <laughs> so it was quite fun learning all the different styles and techniques, as I said. So it's been quite fun. Was there one of those techniques that you fell in love with and you found that's what you want to do? Or do you like switching it up? I do switch it up. So. As everyone knows, English paper piecing, which are the cardboard templates that you cover and sew together, that takes forever to do. And it's something, it's, it's handwork that if you're sitting watching TV or you're on the bus or on a plane trip, you can take that and work on it. So I always have something on the go, a little project on the go for that. I wouldn't say I love it, but it's very relaxing and it's something to travel with because you can't bring your machine. So I love doing that. Foundation paper piecing, I did a quilt along with a girl on YouTube on Sugary Dew. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's on YouTube. She has a website and it was called a one, two tree. 
and it was foundation paper piecing for beginners. So that was really fun learning how to do that. I've made a few patterns, but mostly it's just I'm a wing it type of person. So I'll start a block and then I'll just add to it because I can't imagine making a hundred more blocks like this. So yeah, I think piecing and just throwing it on the long arm and seeing what fun you can have is what I love to do. I can't wait to see some pictures of your quilts. I'm in a bag making frenzy right now, quilted bags. So I was on a mission to get rid of my scraps. So I had a huge Rubbermaid tote, as we all do, of scraps. And it's sort of just is always talking to you in the back of your mind. Like it's only been a couple of years that I'm quilting and I already have an excess amount of scraps. So I need to get control of it or release them or donate them. So I did go through them all and I've got a bag that I'm donating because some fabrics you don't really love. And I've realized if you don't love the fabric, then just pass it on to someone else because you don't love it. So only use the stuff you love. And with all the other scraps, I'm just crumb quilting with it all. So I'm just sewing it all together and then quilting it on my long arm and then making those into bags. So it's kind of fun. It would be. Whether it's a quilt you have made or a quilt someone else made, do you have a favorite quilt? The first YouTuber I watched was A Quilting Life. So you're a quilter's life, but it's an A Quilting Life with Sherry McConnell and Chelsea Stratton. And she started a block of the month. So that was the year I started. She does one every year. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to make a quilt. It's a block of the month. Well, I did the first one and then missed a couple. and. I'm a wing it. So it's like, okay, I, I can't do this. Even though it's one block, I just would get doing other things. And as soon as I get behind, I'm like, okay, I'll move on to the next project. So for that whole year, I kept the couple blocks that I made from Sherry and just kind of had them in a stack. And every time I was making something else, I would just randomly create a block using all the same fabrics. So after about a year, I thought I probably have enough if I made them all the same size and I made them into a sampler quilt. So I used fabrics from everyone's quilt that I made throughout the year. So they're all similar fabrics in the quilt and then pieced it all together. And I think that would probably be one of my favorites. And I did a puff quilt. I have a few favorites, but I don't know. The puff quilt from Lo and Behold Stitchery. There was a, a quilt along. I did that. And then the one, two tree quilt that I did with Sugary Dew. Those are probably my favorites. And then, of course, every project you're working on becomes your favorite at the time. I swear every bag I make, every zipper pouch, I'm like, oh, I just love this bag. <laughs> it's just so fun creating. It is. I find even though I know who I'm making it for, when it's time to give it away, it's a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> but we do have to release stuff. <laughs> it's pay it forward. I love doing that. Yeah. So you've gotten to order a lot of items with that. I'm sure you picked up a lot of cool tools. Do you have a tool that you were so happy that you have? I do. I was gifted actually by my daughter and her boyfriend, the Stripology Ruler. And it's the extra large one. It's, it's amazing for, I don't know if you may have one, you're shaking your head, so you probably do have one. But it makes cutting all 
widths of strips, blocks, so much efficient and quicker. I love that ruler. And the other thing I learned while watching YouTube, it was someone doing raw applique and they have scissors, which I purchased. They're Karen K. Buckley scissors. And they've got a really nice, comfortable handle. It's a bit squishy. And the blades, you cannot see it, but they're micro mini serrated blades. And they just are so sharp. They cut through like eight layers of fabric, no problem. Because of that little serration, it helps with fraying. And yeah, I love those. I think somebody else has mentioned her scissors, but I didn't realize all those details on them. Yeah, and they come in a huge variety of sizes. I have a little pair hanging on the hook on the side of my long arm. So they're little like two inch scissors for just snipping all the threads. But yeah, they're really a nice, sharp scissor. Fun. If you happen to listen to Beth Goody's episode, she's the one that had talked about the stripology and I didn't have one at the time. It's like, you have to get one. Just go get it. <laughs> Me too. And the way I quilt, I'm always like, the faster, the better. And I almost sliced my finger off a few weeks ago because I was cutting strips and I was holding my hand on the top of the scissor and I just had my finger over the groove. I was like so keep your fingers away from the slots but it is amazing ruler i did just pick one up yeah it's expensive but you get what you pay for and every time i use it i'm so thankful i have it Mm -hmm. with all the steps what part of the process do you like the most or do you like each step along the way i've heard a lot of people saying this but it is exciting when you first starting a new project. So I think every step has excitement for it. As I said, when you have a lot of blocks to create by the end of your chain piecing and everything, you're like, okay, let's get on to the next step. But there isn't one step that I dislike. Like I love binding because it's like the icing on the cake. You can't wait to throw it in the washer and dryer as soon as that binding's on. And yeah, I like it all. There isn't a step that I don't like. I used to hate basting getting the quilt ready to quilt on my domestic. That was painful, but I don't have to worry about that anymore with the long arm. So I'm very fortunate to have that. Since you've experienced both, I know it takes longer to set that up on the long arm to quilt it. But from what you said, I think you think that's far worth the time rather than pin basting that all. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty quick to load your quilt really on the machine. Yeah, I would say it's much faster and you straighten it as you go. So it's much more efficient and so much easier. And I'd say it's quicker than pin basting. So I often wonder it'd be a great service for people to have me baste their quilt for them if they don't want me to long arm it, but I would baste it for them. And I always think, oh, that would be such a great thing for people to use because it's so painful when you have a king size quilt to get everything just right. And anyhow, yeah, it's pretty quick on the long arm. That's good to know. Can you share your worst quilting experience? (laughs) I do have one. So I was making a quilt for my brother-in-law and his partner and they wanted a whole cloth quilt. They wanted white. So I thought, oh, perfect. I can do that. And on the other side, they said, you know, they want grays and creams and off whites on the other side so they could 
use it double-sided. So I did that. I did a pieced top for the bottom and then they wanted a whole cloth on the top. So I loaded it all onto my long arm. I set it all up. I started stitching. And after about four rows of stitching on the long arm, when you advance the quilt, it's rolled up on one of the bars. And as it was rolling, the area that was already stitched, because the one the whole cloth was white, you actually could see the gray fabric even through the batting onto the white fabric. So I had stitched four rows of edge to edge quilting. And I thought, oh no, you can see through on the solid white side. And I thought, oh no, I, I've never had that problem at all. And I was using good batting. But I thought, well, how can I fix this without totally taking everything off the machine and unpicking four rows of stitching? So I did have to unpick the four rows of stitching. It took me about 15 hours to rip out stitches. So I was able to leave the quilt on the machine. My daughter was here and we actually loaded another whole cloth over top of the white cloth. So there's two layers of white fabric on top of each other. And then that prevented seeing the gray from the other side come through. So fine, I finished the quilt. I made shams. And finally, I start basting and I finished the quilt. I lift it up to find that I had cream thread in my bobbin instead of white. I had to take all the binding off again and restart it because I had white thread on everything. So you couldn't have cream thread. You could see it on the binding. So finally got that thing finished and it's actually awaiting their arrival in a couple of weeks to coming to pick it up. So yeah, as tragic as that was, I would say my worst experience so far turned out in the end, but yeah, it was a good learning experience. Have you had that before where you've had fabric show through? No, I should have maybe used double batting, but I'll know next time if I'm using solid white. And it was yeah. a good quality. I was, I was shocked. But anyhow, it's all good. I tend to just make smaller quilts, but I think the whole cloth quilt would be beautiful. And if I ever would get a long arm, I think that's what I would want to do. Yeah, it does look pretty, pretty nice. We have so many things that we can do with our lives and it's great that we have the opportunity to choose what we want to do. But what makes you want to continue quilting rather than do anything else you have available to you? Well, it's just I've been bitten by the quilt bug for sure. It's so funny because when I started quilting, when I started to think, oh, I want to make a quilt, it just snowballed. And when I took my domestic machine in after the first year to get it serviced, in his shop, he had this machine in this front window and it was a long arm. I did not even know they existed. I did not know. So I said, what is that? And so he proceeded to show me what it was. And instantly my eyes were like, I need a long arm. So I came home after seeing it, so excited, telling my husband. and. It just went from there. So I started researching them and found a long arm. It was a floor model at a place, a shop in Barrie and ended up purchasing it. And I swear the machine is running more than it's not. 
I don't know. I used to garden nonstop. And I remember when the kids were young, they'd be calling, it'd be getting dark and they'd be yelling, mom, it's time to come inside. Now they know it's like, mom, come on up. Dinner's ready. (laughs) Whatever they are visiting. I'm basically sewing every day. I'm constantly thinking of the next project as I'm working on something and what else can I make? And whenever you're out, you see a pattern on wallpaper or on a rug or tiles and you think, hmm, I could make something like that. There's just so many things you can make and gift. And I don't know, just the creativity is just constantly burning inside me. So I just love it. I love it. I don't know what I'd do if I hadn't found it. So I'm actually happy that I didn't quilt when the kids were little because I wouldn't have done anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they're lucky too. (laughs) And who do you usually make your quilts for? If there's a new baby or my kids, my mom, just kind of whoever, whoever needs one at the time. So... Always making something and then finding a use for it. So, yeah, I just keep producing. They'll find a home. Sometimes I have a person in mind, which is fun. And other times I'm just making something and then it turns out that I gift it later. So, yeah, friends, family. And as I said, I've got some people will call and commission me to do things. And I had a quilt hanging up at a local rec center last year. And I got a phone call and it was a woman saying, you know, I saw your quilt and I was looking to see if you could make one for me and wondered if I could come over and see your your things. And I said, oh, sure, I'd love to. She said, well, I'm at the end of your driveway. Can I come in? <laughs> so she somehow found me through social media. And so sure enough, I said, sure, come on in. So she came in and I ended up making her a quilt. So it was kind of funny because... I almost didn't answer the phone call because I didn't recognize the number, but I thought, oh, I'll answer it. And here it was, uh, someone wanting me to make a quilt. So it was kind of funny. That's hilarious. At the end of your driveway. (laughs) (laughs) I think you mentioned what you were working on right now. Well, I am making a ton of bags right now. I would say I've been working on that, but I do have a project I was away actually with Roseanne, the girlfriend that I mentioned got me into quilting. So as couples, we went away on a bike and barge trip in the Netherlands, which was so fun. And along the way, we just happened to find a few quilt shops. So we purchased very similar fabrics, a lot of them the same, actually. And we decided to make the same quilt from those fabrics. And it would be our memory quilt from the Netherlands from our trip. So we're making circles. So it's called the Double Time Quilt. And it's from a pattern, a book I bought. There's a shop in Toronto called The Workroom. And the owners put out a book. I think it's called The Weekend Quilter. And and in that book is this Double Time Quilt. They're quarter circles that you make. And then you put them all together, scrappy. And you create a circle. So they're kind of like dots all over the quilt. So... We're doing that together. So that's kind of what we're working on. So we're hoping to finish them up and then she'll come and we can long arm it on our machine together. How fun. How long was your trip? We were there for three weeks and we biked for 10 days. So it was a lot of fun. It's a great trip. I highly recommend 
checking it out. It's called Holland Bike and Barge Tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of fun. Describe your sewing space. <laughs> well, luckily I just cleaned it up, but it was pretty messy. <laughs> but I am very fortunate. I have a lovely room. I call it my love room. So it's about 18 by 22. And I have my long arm. I have a Bernina Q24. And I have a Juki, which I absolutely love. And I just got it about three months ago. And I have a Janome. So I've got a table set up with both my machines. And I have a big cutting table. And I've got another table at the other side for guests to come and sew. And I've got a great big shelf, one of the Ikea cube shelves filled with all my stash. I love it. And I've just got everything homemade hanging from other people or myself in the room. So, and it's a walkout basement. So I've got some daylight coming in as well. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Boy, when you dive in, you dive in, don't you? No, I was thinking about that. Whenever I am doing something, if I take a pottery course that you pay for the weight of your clay, you can make three bowls. I'm just mass producing these bowls and little dishes. And I think it's my winging it style where I'm not worried about the technique. It's just so I can do a better one than my next try. So here's one and I keep the wonky ones. And same thing with my quilting. I just go for it. And some things aren't perfect, but it's not messy. And if it's really an important seam or it's not quite right, but I don't rip out a lot of stuff. If someone's got to point out one of my corners aren't matching up properly or my points uh, no one notices that so I don't rip out too much no. I just go for it <laughs> I think we're so hard on ourselves and it wastes so much time and energy if you're worried about every little seam and in the big scheme of that quilt no one is seeing that just keep going forward yeah share a quilting tip well when you're getting your backing ready to load or even when you unfold any fabric from your stash and there's some heavy creases in it, if you just take, I've got another favorite tool is a continuous spray bottle. If you just miss the fabric and if you get a bundle of fat quarters, for instance, you just lay the first fat quarter out and missed it and just lay the next one on top, missed it and continue through the whole batch. You don't have to iron them. That little misting, if you just hang it to dry, so you kind of do it ahead of time while you're doing something else, even right before you're closing down for the night, you just do it the night before and all the creases come out just from that misting. You don't have to iron the fabric. It's such a fun and easy trick. It just saves time because even when you iron, I think sometimes it doesn't quite get the crease out on heavy folds. So misting is a really neat trick. I had not heard that before. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes if I get a backing and I go to load it onto the long arm, it's all creased and a huge king size backing when it's all creased. Even when you're trying to iron it out, just the way it lays on the floor, sometimes it just continually creases. So if you just lay it over something, I'll even lay it on one of my spare beds and miss the whole thing and just walk away for half an hour or something. And you come back and the creases are gone. Amazing. Yeah, have to try it. yeah. 
tell about how you went from having quilting as a hobby and it became a business for you too. Well, I just started, as I said, making quilts and then someone said, oh, I'd like a quilt. Can you make one for me? And oh, sure, I'd love to. So it just kind of snowballed from there. I was in an artisan tour last year as well, a home studio tour. So I was frantically sewing for this tour and then sold a few quilts at that show. And then your name gets put out there. So one thing leads to another. People call you. So I haven't done a lot of long arming for people yet. So I'm still fairly new, I would say, as far as my business. And I don't have an online shop or anything. It's just sort of word of mouth. I do have an Instagram page at Stilla Quilts where I post, like we all do, what we're making. And But it's usually people that know me that say, oh, I'd like a tote bag or can you make me a quilt? So I don't have a huge business following yet. And you don't want to take on too much as far as long arming because you want to still have time to sew for yourself. My ultimate goal, I think, as far as my business is to pay off the cost of my long arm. That kind of would be my goal because it's just so fun creating things. And sometimes you get into making things for other people and maybe you don't really like the fabrics they've chosen or it's not really fun when you don't love the fabrics. So it's kind of fun to be making what you want to make and then maybe someone will buy it. So yeah, that would be my ultimate business goal is pay off my long run. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad they are so expensive. It is, yeah. But man, I am getting my money's worth. I love that thing. I actually named her Stella <laughs> after my business name. So Stella's running all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What was the name of your business? And then also share how you came up with that name. So my business name is Stella Quilts. And when I first started quilting, my kids was when Instagram was really popular. And they said, you should really start looking, go on Instagram and check out. There's so many pages and fun things you could learn about quilting. And I really didn't know much about it. So I just said, well, what am I going to go under? and so years ago, we were in Italy, and every time I was introduced to somebody, because my name is Star, they couldn't quite understand what my name was. So Stella is Star in Italian, so everyone would call me Stella. So that kind of stuck with the people we were in Italy with. So I thought, well, Stella Quilts. I'll start a page in Instagram. My profile will be Stella Quilts. And then when I started quilting more and more, I thought, well, that's kind of a fun name. For my business and our family names, uh, Star, Len, Ellen, and Emma all make up Stella as well. So it's kind of a twofold name. So that's kind of where it started. Wow. I'm wondering when it hit you that your names were in the name Stella. Yeah, it's funny. My girlfriend's daughter asked if that's why my name was Stella Quilts and I hadn't noticed it actually it just kind of randomly happened so till she pointed it out I didn't even realize it so it's funny how things happen uh-huh is there anything else you wanted to share with us I think just there's a lot of people for instance are worried or afraid of trying a new technique or circles are always daunting curves it's just like everything. You just need to try it and go for it. And 
it's quite simple once you figure out how to do it and just go for it. Don't be so hard on yourself. And people are afraid of zippers are actually quite easy. And there's lots of YouTube videos to see how to do it. And literally that's where I've learned everything is on YouTube and just trial and error. So you just have to try something new and go for it. Yeah. Have fun. That seems to be the number one idea when I talk to people, have fun with it. Have fun. Yeah. And just go for it. It's funny. There's one last story. When I, the first time I was able to go into a quilt shop during COVID and I was just so excited because it just was in the front door where they had all the bags where you could pick up and on the wall, they had all the patterns hanging and I was a total beginner and I picked up a pattern. I thought, Oh, this is the one I want to make. And it's still in my drawer. It is so detailed and cut out 400 triangles. And there's so many pieces that I like, Oh, I'll just do it another day because there's so many parts to it. So one day I'll get to it. But it was just kind of funny where I thought, oh, yeah, I'd like to make that. It's so funny when you see something on the wall and you think, oh, yeah, I can make that. You get it home and you, as a beginner, you open up the pattern and it's total Greek. So you're like, okay, I'll I'll just stash that away for another time. (laughs) Someday I'll go for it, though. (laughs) I'm kind of glad you didn't get into it and get discouraged that you're saving it for when your skills are there. Yeah, I knew it was over my head at the time. And now I know what I'm in for. You need a lot of dedicated time to sit down and finish the pattern. So I guess I could cut it up into mini goals and just do steps at a time and stash it away. But now you know why quilters have so many unfinished projects, because some of them are just too big to start to finish. So you have to do something else in between. I try not to have too many projects on the go, but I definitely can see how that happens. Yeah. Along with our stashes growing. Yes. (laughs) Another funny words, I think, that are true to quilters, need and want are all in the same. So we need that fabric and we want that fabric (laughs) is the same. We don't need any fabric, but we want it all, all the time. I got to go to a quilt retreat last week and walking through there and seeing all the beautiful fabric it's like oh (laughs) where you go in for i need some cream fabric and you come out with a huge bag of all kinds of lovely pieces there's so much beautiful fabric out there so many wonderful designers making this for us yeah for sure this is so great to get to actually interview a listener of the podcast, A Quilter's Life. So thank you so much, Star, for sharing your story with me. I really had a great time visiting with you. Oh, I did too, Paula. Thank you so much. And I'll continue listening. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com. Or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.